Welcome to the 35th episode of the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Grerold, Editor-in-Chief of ComicVine.com. And with me, we have a, a, a gentleman. He is super busy right now, so um, thanks for, for the time. We have the writer of Justice League of America's Vibe and a ton of other stuff coming up. We have Mr. Sterling Gates. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's 102 degrees in Los Angeles right now. So. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad I'm in a. It's it's pretty cool here in in, in the office in the studio. So it is. I'm kind of glad I'm not not outside. Francisco always has nice weather. Like LA normally has nice weather, but in the summertime it gets. I mean, it's sweltering right now. Like it's it's unreal how hot it is here. It's it's never this hot. So that's crazy. But I guess it's summer. So. I, so other than sweating a lot, I'm great. <laughs> So uh, let's let's talk about vibe. So by the time this goes out, so last week issue five came out when when we're airing this. So we're doing the time travel thing, um, and it, it I, I have to admit I, I'm I, I was kind of wondering where this series was going to go because you know it, it's always been kind of going in tandem with with Just Leave America, and, and that's great because you know a lot of time we we've seen the two sides, mm-hmm. and what I what I'm finding really interesting is. Because, you know, the, the team doesn't know why Amanda Waller, you know, wanted them all gathered together. That, you know, their, their objective is to take down a Justice League should it come to that. And so, you know, they're all oblivious to it. So that, that's great. You know, they have no idea what's going on. So w- what I find interesting is that, that Vibe, he's, he's catching on to this already. That, you know, here's something I thought that, oh, you know, this is going to be a storyline that's going to not necessarily drag on. But, you know, it's, it's going to take a while until they finally realize, hey, you know, something's up here. So I, 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 I like that. I, I, I like that, you know, we're actually seeing something rather than, you know, them all being, you know, him just being a foolish kid, you know, like, oh, this is cool. And that's exactly why we're doing that story. Um, I never wanted him to be a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's incredibly intelligent. He's not necessarily as book smart as, you know, we want him to be, but I think he's incredibly intelligent. And, and one of the early conversations I had with Jeff was make sure he's never stupid because like this character, and I'm aware of this, like this character is an uphill battle for people to buy into in part because vibe has been traditionally not the most, uh, respected of characters. Mm -hmm. So I, so talking to Jeff, he said, just make, make sure he's, he's an intelligent kid. And so I've worked really hard to, to do that. And, and in order to do that and to demonstrate that it was important for me to have him understand very quickly that Argus was not all they seemed. Um, he got a really nice warning from kid flash in three. He started really investigating it in four. And then at the end of four, uh, he made the decision like, I'm going to protect this girl 
and, and if that puts me at odds with my superiors, then so be it. Um, and so he, he made that decision. Little did he know how quickly that, that stuff would escalate um, because the suicide squad suddenly shows up. Um, and then he gets put, uh, in a, in a timeout, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when does this go out? Is issue six out when this goes out? No. So this will go out. Um, this will be next week. Okay, great. Uh, issue six, we're going to pick up in a big way. And, and issue six is a, um, I, I got away with something I thought that they would never let me do, which is like our main character doesn't really show up in a big way to like page 10. Wow. Um, because it, the opening of issue six is Dante and Gunn meeting for the first time. Um, and so and because of how important Dante is to Cisco's story and how important Gunn's relationship is with Cisco, I wanted to immediately throw those characters together as fast as I could. Um, and so you get a, you get a nice opener, uh, a nice opener and then some nice scenes as we walk you through Argus, because we've never seen what that what that's like, what it's like for them to book a breacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you haven't read the book, uh, listener, uh, a breacher is an interdimensional being who has who has broken through the dimensional walls and come to our dimension. Um, and I wanted to demonstrate what it was, what it's like to walk a breacher through those halls to put them in those tubes. Um, so we're going to get into that and and. Um, yeah, you'll see a lot of a lot of things happen as a result of Dante, who's an ordinary dude, uh, who's just Vibe's brother. Like, you'll see a lot of stuff spill out in upcoming issues th- that are a result of an ordinary man getting involved with this superhuman stuff. Um, which I thought, again, was an interesting direction to take this book on top of, you know, having Vibe discover that not everything is what he, what it seems and taking him on that journey of self-discovery both for himself and his power set and, and, you know, young love and, uh, his journey of discovering that the people that he works for are not exactly who they, uh, claim to be. Hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was a really interesting hook. And, and obviously if you read the first couple issues, like they sort of like Andrew and Jeff did a great job. I thought in those first two issues setting up, setting up that conflict. Mm-hmm. And then when I came on three, it became my job to deliver on that conflict. And I, uh, I, to me, it was important to keep this series moving as fast as possible and, and to give you a lot of twists and turns and swerves. Like my, my editor, when I, I turned in the script for five, she calls me and she's like, so I know this was in the outline, but I really didn't expect the suicide squad to win. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> well, that that's totally like usually when the villain shows up in a book, like they don't beat the hero. And I said, yeah, like no one will see that coming. And I kind of like that. Um, and then I was, you know, I was sad that we we had to crowbar disappeared. But a- a- anyway, does that answer? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, I also, you know, speaking of gun, just it's it's almost like he, what you what the development with him because, you know, in the beginning, he's like, okay, here's this guy, you know, he's following orders, he's, you know, recurring. But then, you know, we, we, we start to see more about who he actually is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I thought that was cool. I, it just, 
I guess I never really thought about him being like an actual character that, <laughs> that, that you would, you know, kind of care about. You know, he's just like, here's just someone else working for Argus. You know, he's, he's following orders, but then now we're like, he has a personal life and, you know, he's not really a bad guy. You know, he's, he's doing his job. So, right. well, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people in these types of organizations um, in real life have orders and often are faced with dilemmas like, like what gun is, is faced with. Um, sometimes they will obey orders and sometimes they will disobey orders and, and the, the, the strength and, and the heart of those characters will be what determines where they go. Um, gun, you know, I, I, going way back in, in my life, I met James Robinson in, in 2008 uh, and he, we were talking about DC books and he said, you know what the most important thing about a DC book is? And I said, I, I know James Robinson, who was one of my favorite writers when I was a teenager. I said, no, James, what? And he taps me on the chest. And in that very James Robinson way, he says, DC books come from here. The most important thing a DC book can have is a heart to it. He said, Marvel books, there, there's a lot of stuff in Marvel books that come from the head. DC books come from the heart. Um, and I, I've sort of used that as my, um, philosophy for writing DC books ever since. That's great. Um, it's, so it's important to me. It's important to me to develop these characters and, and, you know, we have a very diverse cast. We have a very interesting cast. Um, it, this is not your normal book. Uh, this is not your normal DC, not your normal superhero book. Honestly, it, it's a very different type of book to me. Um, and I, I read a lot of superhero books and, and I love superhero books, but it, it's important that to me that this book is, uh, is, is almost all heart with action on top of it. Um, because I, I, I'm a firm believer in these characters. Like I, I really, you know, even if this book doesn't last long, I, I, I don't know how long this book is going to go. Uh, you know, I, I'm aware of sales. Mm-hmm. Some guy on Twitter reminds me once a month <laughs> what this <laughs> book are. Thank you, Twitter random guy. <laughs> oh, you know, man. He does yeah. passive-aggressive way. Like, just just be up front with it. Um, but it's important to me that, that at the end of the day, like, when this is collected, like, it is, a, it is a book I can put in someone's hands and say, look, this is about a young Hispanic teenage character who um, I, I want you to believe in him as a hero because he is a hero. And, and a lot of... I, there are many books on the stands right now that I question sort of where they're coming from or what, what emotionally relevant and resonant story they're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that vibe with his, you get a lot of pathos out of losing his brother in the same accent that gives him powers. And so we've we've been really keying into that. Um, I just believe it's a book about, uh, about a kid who just wants to do what's right. And that's very rare, I'm finding, in the American comic market. Um, unfortunately, it's not necessarily that popular of a decision, but I, I think it's important to tell this story, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's also interesting because uh, I, I had someone ask a question before, and I, I did a, a little video about it, just about, like, the government agencies in comics, like in Marvel and DC. And it almost seems like in DC they're a little more questionable – because you know you you have you know Amanda Waller you know she, 
not that she's a bad person, but you know, she definitely has her own agenda, and you know, she does her own thing. And you know, you have the DEO, and you know, so we, we have Argus here. So it, it's it's interesting where they're doing the right thing, but like where Amanda, you know, she'll she'll make her own rules, and I, I guess the question is, you know, is like how much is is too much, you know, how much can they get away with? And then when you have all, you know, the soldiers or, you know, people like gun where it's like, do they ever question their orders? You know, do they just do, you know, what, what they're told? Do they, do they think they're doing, you know, they're always doing good things. So it's, it's really interesting to look at that. And, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot more of this questionable activities. You know, if, if you look at like comics from, you know, even, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Sure. You know, like you didn't get that a whole lot. So, uh- well, I don't know. You know, Nick Nick Fury did some pretty pretty heinous stuff, uh, morally gray stuff for a long time. Um, and Ultimate Universe, Nick Fury does oh, yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. Um, you know, I, there's a conversation. There's a conversation I'm writing for issue ten uh, of Vibe, uh, where we really get into Waller and her reasoning behind the circus. Um. Because I, I know fans have a lot of questions about the circus and about who is in the circus. If you, if you, again, for readers that aren't aren't reading this book, the circus is this um, interdimensional being uh, prison slash zoo kind of uh, that is full of breachers. Anyone that anyone that Argus has captured um, uh, gets put in the circus in these in these tubes, um, power dampening tubes. Uh, <sighs> And vibe at the end of five, as you know, readers saw like vibe is put inside one of them. Uh, and then not to spoil this, but you know, issue six is about Dante and gun saying, how do we get him out? Yeah. I mean, he's on the cover for six. So, right. Right. So I, it's Waller has her reasons. She is not ruthless. She, she can be, but she is not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and she is very gray morally. And I find that interesting to write. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cause, she, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was saying, cause you know, she, she's not a bad person, but no, you know, you, you look at some of the things are like, you know, it makes you sit back and, and, and question like, like, Hmm, you know, it's, it's like, is that Okay. So I mean that it, it is a, a fascinating thing rather than having someone who's you know, just clear cut because then you know that's not as interesting. And a lot of her motivation in this series stems out of Gypsy, um, and, and the and the decision to imprison Gypsy, and the decision to retrieve Gypsy once she breaks free. Um, and we are going to address that in a very big way uh, in. Uh, issue seven, and then again in issue nine. Now, um, so so when when the the first few issues were were going pretty much hand in hand with with Justice League of America, uh, is is it going to kind of veer off a little bit now that? Oh yeah, yeah, we're off in our own. <laughs> we're 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 way out of step with Justice League of America, um, and that's intentional. Like like th- those two books kind of worked in tandem, and then. Once issue three, once I came on, honestly, I, I said to Jeff, like, I, I, I want to do my own, I want to do my own story where I don't have to like check in with Justice League of America. And mm-hmm. he, 
he was all about that. So we're we're off on our own story for now. Okay, because like uh, issue was it five that just came out? A vibe, yeah. Or no, of uh, yeah. So just leave America, where you know he's he's still there. You know he he's not questioning everything. So you know the continuity thing, which you know whatever. That's just you know you, you gotta let that go. I don't believe in it. I don't <laughs> believe in it. We I, I, I we worked so hard on New Krypton to stay lockstep, and no one cared. <laughs> Uh, that I, I find I get more out of telling stories that, yeah, this happened on Tuesday and then Justice League of America number five happened on Wednesday. Like I, I just, I don't believe in being a slave to that because it undercuts your ability to tell your own stories. And it, 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 uh, it, it, it for, it ties your hands as a storyteller to be so slavish to that. Yeah. I just I, in this instance on this book, I don't believe in it. And if that offends listeners, I, I, I'm, I apologize. But I, I just I can't. Jeff is very busy. I can't read every Justice League of America script to know how to make my book fit in between the cracks with his. Mm-hmm. That was a decision that we talked about, and and I, I think. By not doing that, it lets us tell a far more interesting story than if I had to have every scene spill out of, of Justice League of America. Like, I, I just, I, uh, no, it, 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 you know, we had such a, I loved New Krypton. I loved working on it. But, but we had so many conference calls that went for hours trying to figure out, okay, if Nightwing and Flamebird do this on, on the Friday, are we going to deal with it, you know? on Monday morning in Supergirl's life. And, and it was, it was mind numbing at times. I just want to, I, I want to take the opportunity here to tell a great story with this kid. And, and I, I believe, I believe in the story we're telling. I believe in what story Jeff is telling. Let's let those two stories coexist without having to reference each other in a huge way, without having to have scenes bounce back and forth all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree, and you know, as, as a as a comic reader, you know, sometimes I'll look at and and kind of wonder, like, okay, where does this take place in that? But and and this is something that you know has come up on you know this podcast or the other podcast before, but it's like long ago, it's like we didn't really worry about this so much. Like even in in the '90s when it it really got ridiculous with you know Wolverine and Ghost Rider, you know, appearing everywhere. So it's like you never really thought about it. And then at, at, at some point, and I don't know if it was before the 90s or not, it's like people started wondering, like, how does this work? And But it's like you, you got to sit back sometimes and just this is a story with, you know, this character. Just read it and enjoy it. So it's like, yeah, I'm guilty of question continuity sometimes. But, you know, at the other hand, you just got to take it for what it is and, and not get so concerned about the little details that aren't important. I, I agree. And I've been just as guilty. I've been just as guilty of it as, as anybody else. Like, you know, I, when I was in college and I had tons of free time, I made charts of <laughs> how books would fit together with like Excel spreadsheets and, and stuff. Like I totally get it. But as I, as I've gotten older and the more I've been really involved in these types of books, I, I, you, you just got to let go if you want to tell the best story you can tell. Yeah, because I like like in, in Marvel, you know, there's a whole thing with what recommender is doing in Captain America. You know, he's out in in Dimension Z, and it's been like you know twelve, thirteen years, but you know he's still appearing in Avengers. So it's like you know when do these stories take place? And 
and Rick did say that we're going to find out how it fits together. But, you know, it, it's been, you know, almost 12 is- issues now. It's like, you, you just don't worry about that and just, you know, sit back. I mean, I would rather read a great Captain America story than worry about when does this relate to this issue of Avengers I just read. Yeah. And, and the only time it really applies is like if a character dies, like if Damian Wayne had died and I, I pick up an issue of, uh, I, I don't know, Teen Titans or whatever, and Damian Wayne is in it. And I'm like, he died, he died six months ago. When was this issue written? <laughs> like, w- w- why is Damian Wayne? A- that is a, is a perfect instance, but we're not doing that here like and i don't know it, it just it, i i think fandom and, and as a, as a person who's a huge fan of all these superhero books we get so wrapped up in minutia and i've said this to you before i, I we've had a we had a podcast about this back when i was doing hawk and dove like yeah. we get wrapped up in the minutia of it that we focus on that rather than enjoy what's being presented mm-hmm. um and I, I, as I've gotten older, have found that to be more problematic with my reading habits. So I've, I've learned to let go. As a result, uh, I've tried hard to let my stories breathe in a different way. You know, like, like I, I did that Supergirl story, Who is Superwoman, um, right at the start of New Krypton. And it, it was, I think, five issues, four issues, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, but it was one story, and it was like, a day and a half in Supergirl's life or like three days in Supergirl's life. And that was a very like big deal at the time because we just started doing the triangles on the covers of all the super books. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like yeah. we were numbering all of them, like you had to read week to week to week. So as a result, like the Superman book and the world new Krypton book and action comics, those kind of went in order. And then Supergirl was kind of off on her own. And I felt like I got more out of telling that story as an individual story than I did trying to figure out how to make it work with, you know, there, there's a solar flare in action comics. Can, do I need to put that in this issue of Supergirl? Like, I, I just, I found that more rewarding. And I hope readers found that more rewarding uh, overall. Um, so that was my first instance of, holy crap, like maybe the minutia and the timing is not that important continuity it can be important but it's not it can also tie your hands from telling the best story possible yeah and and the other thing which you know i'm sure everyone you know considers is not everyone is is necessarily able to read all the books you know it's it's like talking about captain america maybe you know people aren't reading avengers book or you know with with your book you know maybe someone's like i I don't like team books i'm not going to read just league of america and you know at at the same time time you know while while i didn't enjoy you know the, the first few issues where we saw kind of like the flip side of, of certain things uh you know the other way is like if if you are actually reading both of those books it's like you're getting the same thing again and even though there's slight variations it's like you don't necessarily need to see it again right so i mean yeah it, it's 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 something that that people just need to let go, and you know myself included at times. So, I, I think it's it's interesting that that now you know you're totally veered off and and going off, and and I guess with with a Trinity War coming up, you know that's that's gonna put some focus on there. So you know we don't have to worry about you know when is Vibe gonna start questioning what they're right. doing, and I, and I'm sure that's gonna that's gonna come up in a big way. 
in Justice League of America, but like they have their own set of problems to deal with right now. Uh, the story I'm telling where we're going with vibe has its own set of problems. And yeah, I, I mean, like, like I said, I'm trying to tell the best story possible and I, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be sort of shoeboxed in, mm-hmm. but which isn't to say Jeff isn't doing a great job on Justice League of America. Like I love that book. Mm-hmm. The freaking shaggy man showed up and I lost my mind. Um, because he's one of my favorite villains. Like, I love that book. I love what he's doing in that book. I love the characters of that book. I just, I just don't want to have to, like, w- once, a, once a week, email him and be like, yo, man, can I get the script for Justice League 7 so I can know where you are in August, so I can know where Vibe is in August? You know, that just doesn't, that doesn't seem like a, a good way to write this book or to tell this, to tell Cisco Ramon's story. Yeah. And, and even, you know, speaking about Justice League, which, you know, we won't get into spoilers or anything but when issue four came out you know there was a a certain cliffhanger ending but at at the same time the the character in question had you know their own title going on oh that was so ridiculous so like really someone dies in a comic and like you're shocked that they have their own like that whole thing like what a what a fun twitter day that was like uh (laughs) just watching everyone freak out it's like guys like it's to be continued. Like it's my favorite phrase in the English language to be continued. Wait and see what happens next month. Mm-hmm. And plus uh, the fact that in, in her own title, it was, it was the beginning of a new storyline. Sure. And it's, it's like, yeah. And, and you know, that the fact that the DC didn't make a big deal about it, you know, cause any, you know, Marvel and DC, you know, you, you kill off a major character. You, I, I, I totally get why they do it. You know, as a comic reader, I don't, necessarily want to want to see the death spoiled you know in usa today or you know whatever before it i do i i want to know honestly i want to know i want to go in knowing okay this is the issue robin dies it's called robin r.i.p on the cover it's it's a takeoff on the batman r.i.p cover this is probably where he dies and then he dies and i go all right that was a great story i kind of knew the ending to be continued what happens next that's what interests me okay the character dying, uh, a death in the family, the cover of the trade I had for that had fucking uh, Batman holding Jason Todd's dead body. <laughs> it's called A Death in the Family. Like, I, I walked into that book knowing exactly where that was going. But I loved that story and I loved where, what came out of it. But see, on, on the flip side, with Just League of America, where even though, you know, whether it was a real death or not, let people, you know, in case they haven't read yet. But that, uh, for me... I, I like the fact that like holy crap here's this crazy ending and then yeah it's to be continued rather than you know I don't necessarily always need to see someone might be dying here and but but I do understand why they do that because sells uh, books yeah and and you know so it, it's not meant for us comic readers you know it's it's trying to say hey you that you know maybe aren't reading comics you might want to check this out and you know whether it's a gimmick or not and that actually that's what what really gets me is on twitter people were were calling that a gimmick it's like how is that a gimmick when dc didn't sell it as a you know a big event or a death or something like that it's a cliffhanger (laughs) yeah but people were like like oh it was it was cheap it was just a gimmick it's like no it wasn't it's a it's a a a cliffhanger is a a story you know device and it's like what the heck's gonna happen 
It's a tool to attract readers. <sighs> and, and get other people riled up for no reason. People are going to talk no matter what you do. Like a successful cliffhanger makes you go, well, God, what's going to happen next? And you turn to your friend and you go, wow, this just happened. Like at the end of Justice League 4, crazy event. And then your friend goes, oh, cool. Can I read it? And then maybe they come back for issue five. Yeah, It's a storytelling tool that we have. And, and if, if we are denied access to that tool, again, that undercuts our ability to tell the most successful types of stories. Um, it, 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 it's hard. It's hard enough to get people interested in comics when they're four bucks a shot. Um, so I, I understand. Oh, my screen just died. Are you still there? Can yeah. You hear me? Yeah. Hold on. My Mac is freaking out. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's just crazy how you know people just. I, I I don't I don't get it. It's like why are people so angry sometimes? Because we live in an information age. And the information age, the downside of that is you get an instant reaction to information. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's sort of the dark side of Twitter and Facebook. And, and like you are seeing someone's reaction, the knee-jerk reaction. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they killed this character. This company is now the worst company that's ever existed on the face of the earth because this person was my favorite character. I'm burning all my comics tonight. <laughs> and then two hours later, like, ugh. Well, it's to be continued. I guess we'll see what happens next. You don't get that follow-up. You just get the initial anger reaction or surprise. or and, and that's just kind of how the world is now. And that's fine. I try really hard in, in my responses, especially online or publicly or whatever, to be very measured <laughs> and to think things through. When I get angry about a book that I think is terrible, do I want to talk about it? For me, the answer is no. For other people, you know, go for it. So as a result, the negativity gets presented and negativity begets negativity, I found. Mm-hmm. Um, I try really hard to be positive on my, on my, uh, online, in my online dealings because there are not enough positive voices in the world and there are not enough po- positive voices, I find, in uh, the comic industry. Um, people, it's very easy to be negative. It's very easy to complain about everything that's happening in comics. It is so to the point where it's such a a steady line of, of bad noise that when someone says something positive, like I I instantly latch onto that because I'm suddenly interested in, in them in a different way. Cause I like, on, on Comic Vine, we, we, you know, as reviewers, we get the occasional flack from people because, you know, they say we give up, you know, we're on a five star scale and they say, you know, and this is something I brought up so many times on a podcast, but, you know, because we, we tend to have a lot of fours and fives. Right. But it's like what, what people need to look at is like, okay, you know, how many books are we reviewing that day? Like maybe 30 books. And, you know, if, if there's four of us reviewing or so, you know, and maybe each of us reviews like four or five or six, maybe seven. I think I did seven books. Um, Crap. Yeah. It's, it's, and I had like three meetings. <laughs> Anyways, but it's like so when, when you're if, if you're doing five books, you know, you're going to want to review the books, one that you like or two that you kind of need to review, you know, books that, that people want to hear about. And Ultron and that kind of thing. Yeah. So. You know, and people, they're like, you know, how come you gives fours and fives? And, you know, we give the occasional three and two, but it's like, 
if if I'm only reviewing five books, I'm not going to go out of my way to seek out like this is a two star book. You know, I I need to make sure I have a two star rating on the board or a one star. You know, it, I just I just don't see the point of that. There there's been some times where it's like, hey, I'm going to review this book, and then you know after you read it, it's just like uh, you know there there's like there's an issue of um you know Grant Morrison's Action Comics that just didn't work for me, and you know it probably would have been a three, but I just I just didn't really want to take the time to to review it and then put down why it was a three and not a four, you know, what, what kind of let me down a tiny bit. And, you know, so instead, you know, I, I picked up the next book and it's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll write this instead. Well, God forbid you like something on the internet. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's like, it's like, Oh, you gave it. We've we had some people are like, like, Oh, you know, how much is, you know, so-and-so publisher paying you to review this. It's like, but it's like, we're, we're on a five star scale. We got no halves. So it's like a five means I had a great time, you know, reading this. And, you know, it's, it's like, like, you know, Matt Fraction, Mike Allred, you know, I, I love those guys. FF, I, I love that book. You know, it, it's such a fun book. I'm not saying it's like an instant masterpiece, you know, and maybe on some levels it is, but it's like, yeah, that's a five-star book to me. And, you know, I, I had a blast reading it. It brought a smile to my face, made me, you know, put me in a good mood. Right. And negativity begets negativity. And the, and the internet is, I've found in a lot of my public dealings on, on the internet, it is so easy for people to slip into a negative mindset that if you say something positive about something, you will get 20 responses being like, F you, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're towing the company line that they put out. I mean, just all this stuff. And I continually come back to like, well, God forbid I enjoy comics. Mm-hmm. God forbid I enjoy a television show. You know, like, when I the, the only time, and this is awesome, the only time anyone ever really is like, yeah, that is awesome. When I say something on Twitter, is when I talk about my love of heavy metal, <laughs> <laughs> and metal fans are like, yeah, you know, new Black Sabbath album is badass. God is dead is a sweet track, and they'll, and we'll talk about how how sweet Tony Iommi's riffs are, and how it harkens back to seventies era Black Sabbath, and how much I enjoy it. like. That's the only time when talking about metal, it's the only time people are just universally positive to me. Um, and I find that hilarious that, that people, you know, when, if you have long hair and a death metal shirt on, people think you're going to be this like horribly negative dude. But like those guys are pretty cool. Yeah. I found on, on, on again online in my online dealings. So. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 unfortunate. I mean, and there's on the flip side, there's been times where I've given something a four, and people are like, "Like this should have been a five. And it's like it's it's just an opinion. Yeah. Speaking of reviews, um, I don't think I reviewed Vibe last week, but that's because I was I was supposed to be on vacation. It's like I I I worked so much that week; it was ridiculous, but. I, I, dude, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm the exact same way. I just came back from a family vacation where I worked of the five days, four of the five days. So I, I know how that's, I know how that goes. It's very frustrating. Yeah. But it's, it's like you have to, cause you know, comic books don't go on vacation and you know, for, for me, like the internet doesn't go on vacation. I mean, it's a public, I, I would love someday just to write on vacation on Twitter and just not, not respond for two weeks and just be, <laughs> I think that'd be really fun, actually. Like, like I, I, I found out um, that our office is closed on the Fourth of July, which makes sense, and also the fifth, you know, the, the Friday after. 
but I'm like, like, wait a minute. I, I, I was going to record two podcasts. It's like, can, am I still allowed to come in? Yeah. So it's like, and then, and, and yeah, sure. I'd, I'd like to stay home. But on the other hand, it's like, you got to get the podcasts out. Cause you know, people, you know, are expecting it and can not you, that the world will end if early or like, can you record them on Wednesday? Wednesdays are just an, insane because oh, you said you had five meetings and <laughs> I, now I, I have, I have three, I have, I think I have three weekly meetings because one is, is like, cause we re- recently relaunched the site. So sure. it's just like, you know, new features or things that are being worked on and stuff like that. So that, that's, that's great. You know, and it's like, like, like one of the things um, I had actually another meeting today, we're talking about like our, our search tools and you know, how, how we can improve them. Cause one of the things that we want to do, it's like, I want to be able to go in our database and say, okay, when did um, Spider-Man and Wolverine, you know, what issues did they both appear in? Yeah. You know, so you can see that. Or what issues was Superman in Gotham City? You know, oh. where you can do like these joint searches. Yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, we're working on things like that. Uh, well, another also, me- my picture uh, on my my Comic Vine profile, because that picture is terrible. Hey, I, I'll, I can change that like right, as soon as we're done here. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> email you the one I mean because I, I hate that photo. I don't hate it. It's just it's not. I, I look that was seven or eight years ago, and I look nothing like that. So okay, yeah, just send me. <laughs> I, I, I get that once in a while where um, like like some some people will send me like, hey, here's here's a friend of mine. Can you change this picture? It's like, you know, r- realistically, you could make an account. Oh, I have an account. I tried to change it, and it didn't work. So. Well, I, I think I mean you. You have to get the the live edits where you have to earn a thousand points in, in edits and stuff, and then you get the the live stuff. But but yeah, I, I can I can definitely change that. No problem. Be sure edit this section out of this out of this podcast. <laughs> that 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 makes more work for me. It's like podcasts usually have like zero edits. It's like it's just like on to the next thing. You didn't review vibe, so I didn't review vibe, but. I like I I think I, I told you that I you know I I like the direction and I I think it's it's very interesting that you know we're 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 going here so we're moving fast and we're moving I, one of my dad's favorite uh, uh, pieces of cooking advice when I was a kid was get it hot and keep it moving um, and so that's that's where we're going with this like I, I I'm trying to go as fast as possible and give you the reader for your three bucks or whatever as much interesting story as possible with a lot of character to it. Um, I, you know, comics are three bucks now and I want to, I want to try, I'm trying to give you as much story as possible, as much bang for your buck, so to speak. Um, both as a, um, both as a value and as a thank you for continuing to support what we're doing with this book. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying the speed uh, that we're going through things. It's it's like I said, there are a lot of twists and turns. You will not see the end of issue six coming. You will not see the end of issue seven coming at all, at all. Nice. Uh, We'll hold you to that now. If you if you predict the end of issue six, I will buy you dinner. Like I totally saw it. (laughs) Right. Not not listeners, because I don't I (laughs) dinner. but if you told me, email me and said, I totally saw where this was going, you know, the second I bought the issue, I knew exactly where the end was going to be. Like, I will buy you dinner at a con. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, look, 
unlucky comic writer. Let's do that. Let's make it a let's make it a thing. And they have to talk to you about it. If if you can pick one comic writer, and I'll buy you and a comic writer at dinner if you predict the end of issue six. Cold. You can't know anything about the issue. You got to walk in cold and predict the end of issue six. And and they need to make their own travel arrangements. And they need to make well that you <laughs> you figure that angle out. I will buy you in a comic one comic binder of your choice dinner. Okay. Um, looking at at issue five, where where um, it's not a spoiler because you kind of touched on it, where where you know Cisco's goes in into circus, and we you know, we we see some of the other tubes. Yeah. Um, now I I can easily try searching these characters' names. Um, and I don't know if you want to address this or not, but how many of these are like new or, or are any of these like existing characters? All existing characters. Okay. So oh. like, like Spanner. Yeah. From Spanner's galaxy, the DC series, 1983. No, let's see. Um, let's see. Spanner's galaxy. It was a great yeah. series from the early eighties. It's, it's in six issues. Yeah. Okay. It's in our database. Um, that was before I was reading comics. Scissorman is in there. Crackle is in there from from an old Flash story. Uh, a Weaponer of Cord. Yeah. Uh, Lady Quirk is in there from Crisis. Okay. Um, There's some something. Our man. Our man. Where's that? It's um. So it's it's on that page where you see Weaponer and Crackle. The Scissorman and- from Grant Morrison's Doom. Oh Patrol. yes. Okay. Yeah. He's got scissors for hands. Pariah is in there. Cybernary from the Wildstorm universe is in there. Um, and that's it for issue five. You're going to see a bunch more in issue six and even more in issue seven. So very interesting. So get out your who's who's. Cause I went through who's who, uh, and found a lot of guys to put in there. I'll just type their names in on comic vine. And- uh, yeah, you should, yeah. but I'm not sure they're going to be on comic vine. Somebody gave me guff uh, for using Crowbar, and they were like, yeah, this is just a, a ripoff of The Wrecker. Marvel's The Wrecker. And I was like, no, it, it, it's, it's an old DC character called Crowbar. Yeah, and Crowbar's in, in a database. He's a guy. Fif- and 15 issues. Yeah, he was in Justice League Detroit. He was one of the main antagonists of Justice League Detroit. Like, that's why he's in there. Issue 233, which yeah. was Vibe, might be Vibe's First He's appearance cover two thirty three. I have to I I have to reach over and get my books. But yeah, I think that's I think he's on the cover of that issue too. Yeah, I, I just flipped it because because on, on the characters page it shows it lists like their first issue. Yeah, and yeah, he's there. Um, yeah, no, it's it, like that. That I just wanted to do as, as my shout out uh, as another shout out to the the jail Detroit era. Um. Now, all, all these these characters uh, did the, they all need like heavy approval? Uh, you'd have to ask my editors. I, I, I for issue six, I made a list. Um, the first page of the script was a list, and um, uh, honestly, it was a list of guys, and then a lot of links to pictures of them on Comic Vine because you guys are a great resource for pictures um, of obscure characters. Uh, it was a list, and I, I sent it in, and and you know, we, we drew them to uh, Pete Woods. Pete Woods drew them. Uh, so I, I don't know if it requires a lot of heavy approval, like so far so good. Well, I, I mean, I would met someone like, um, like crackle, you know, it's not like that's going to be in the next, I, I say, I wish DC was still doing the waves of books, but they, they kind of went away from that, which maybe is a, is a good thing. 
but you know maybe at some point there could have been a crackle comic coming out so they say you know maybe you shouldn't use that character because we have these other plans and it's going to be huge dc crossover Mm, yeah centered around crackle that guy maybe uh, maybe some of the guys you use in six might show up they might not like no one had plans for spanner from spanner's galaxy like i guarantee so it, it's not a big deal to put them in scissor men there are a ton of scissor men so you know that wasn't a big deal I, i'm guessing i mean it, it my main editor i have two editors on this book a, a woman named kate stewart who's a who's a who's been awesome. And then, uh, Brian Cunningham, who is a very, very big DC, um, fan and, and has been for, for years. So when we were throwing out names, he, he was like, Oh yeah, let's use lady quirk. And, uh, you know, so the guy, and, and it was nice cause he has been a, a great resource. So when I write Maldor, the dark Lord, he goes, Oh yeah, I know that guy. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get a d- new design going. Um, oh, I guess that was a spoiler. Maldor the Dark Lord is going to be in issue six. Uh, but that's been really nice. Like he, he's, just, he's a very knowledgeable DC guy, and he's been a wonderful editor to work with. He, he and Kate both have been really, really good to me. So, All right. Uh, let's talk a little about uh, Villains Month. Sure. So um, Justice League 23.4, this is a big one. So it's Secret Society because, you know, we're – seeing glimpses of all the evil things they can do. Right. So you and Jeff are, are, are doing this one. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's pretty much all we can say. Cause you know, obviously you, you can't get into specifics. Sure. I can. It's the secret origin of the secret society. Um, it, as on the covers, like Amazo copperhead, um, Don't, and- yeah, that weird mystery guy. And our weird, you know, white, white faced mystery guy, um, who I, I think is, uh, I don't have justice league five in front of me. I, I think we're getting clues as to where he's from in justice league of America five. We're going to, we get into who that man is, what he's doing, why the society exists. Yeah. Cause there is, there is another, um, mystery person that we didn't see in issue five where he was talking to someone, mm-hmm. but I, I know this is probably driving some people crazy. Cause I, I, as far as I know, this white dude doesn't even have, hasn't been referenced. And what, yeah, like what? he doesn't have a name. Like, you know, we don't know what this name for sure, but yeah, I, I get it. Okay. Well then I, I, that's all I'm allowed to say. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think his name has been mentioned cause I, I'm, I'm looking at, um, the, the wiki page for issue five and I'm not seeing him listed here. So, you know, cause our, I mean, our community is great with this stuff. You know, they, they will upload everything. You know, you see every single character that's listed in the issue, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll add that. But it's like, I, I'd imagine, you know, there's some people that are like, what's this guy's name? Cause you know, you, you can't make a page for the guy if he doesn't have a name. Sure. So that's, it's gonna be interesting to see. And, and, Next topic, because I'm I don't I'm so scared I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, and I don't want you you know I don't I don't want you to say anything, but it's it's very interesting to I so I I think that's great that that you're working on that because I think that in my opinion that's that's one of the, the big big books for the month. Cool. It's it's like you know you got Grod that you know that Brian Bucciolato guy is writing, <laughs> and I was like it's like this is a gorilla. Now there's there's one that he I forgot who he's Brian's doing. He's doing Grod. He's doing 
rogues. Actually, I got uh, got the list. Let's see. There's so many books. He's got Grodd, Reverse or Reverse Flash. That that's that's going to be his big one. There's like 52 books that month or something, right? There's got to be more than 52 because Justice League itself has like four. Yeah, but not not every book gets a villain's issue. Like True. Five, five doesn't get one. Yeah, I thought it was weird that like Deathstroke's getting a, a you know a Teen Titans issue. It's like here's a dude that unfortunately his series just got canceled. Yeah. It's like, and he's coming back at justice league 23.2 Lobo, which that that's interesting that Lobo is appearing in a justice league villains book. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm just trying to try to look at it like 23.1 dark side. That makes sense. Sure. Lobo. It's like, as you know, I hear I'm, I'm trying to like really read into it. It's like, so is there going to be some sort? And I'm not asking you. I'm just saying it's like you know, Lobo versus Justice League. Is that something coming up? That's that's interesting. Um, Dial E is going to be in a Justice League book. Dial E for evil, I guess. Well, it's um, it's has some yeah. Uh, a lost E dial is discovered by four young criminals on a run in Littleville. That sounds cool. So All yeah, right. I I like Dial H. Um, I, I I fell behind a little bit on it, but I I really like the idea of all these weird wacky characters and just how they kind of existed and when they're called upon. Yeah, Dial H is one of my favorite concepts. Um, when I was a much younger man, like when I was a teenager, every con that I would go to, DC Direct would have a booth. I would ask them if they were going to make H Dial watches because um, I think it would be a really cool prop. Because they were doing all these random, totally strange prop replicas for a while. And, and I just kept wondering, like, when can I have a cool H-Dial watch? Um, and, and they've never made one, which is such a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Um, then, so you're also doing Killer Frost, so Just League of America 7.2. I am. Um, let see. She's great. I, I, if If you're unfamiliar with her, like, she's... She's only been used a couple times in the new 52. Mm-hmm. So it, she's sort of a, a blank slate now. Um, and I'm going to uh, – this, this story is both her origin and what she's doing in relation to forever evil. Um, you know, it's like the, the interesting thing, what, what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of finding about myself as a reader where you know, we're seeing some, some changes with, with characters – in the new 52 and you know, I'm sure there's, there's some people that are, it's, it's driving them nuts, you know, seeing how things are different, but I, I'm almost kind of looking at it. It's like, okay, I get that, you know, it's not going to be the same character, but it's, it's kind of interesting seeing how, how things might be different. Sure. I, and, but I, I guess it depends on the character because you know, the whole, you know, Tim Drake thing and you know, a lot of people, you know, that's that he's an important character to a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, they, they really got upset by it. But it's like, at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you sit back and look at, you know, it didn't really change a whole lot about, about the character. You know, he's still Tim Drake now. So I don't know. And and then I'm, I'm also kind of looking at, um, which I want, I talked to you about, it's like Kid Flash. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you, um, which which I, I think is, is totally cool that in, it was an issue of Vibe where we actually start getting some answers about who is this kid flash? Who is Bart Allen in a new 52? 
because we didn't really get that in you know in, in Teen Titans. And um, also last week, so the Flash twenty one came out, and you know we we saw a little more. I, I my my store was sold out, so I haven't read it yet. Um, I tried to pick it up yesterday. I really wanted to read that issue. Yeah, so it's 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 fascinating, and I, I guess that's that's kind of the good thing. Where I mean, I loved Impulse. You know, I, when when I, I love those stories, love that series, and I, I guess the good thing. I mean, I guess if, if you're trying to look for the ray of sunshine, where there's a possibility a character might not be the same character, but the 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 nice thing is. It, it's kind of like like you know you're reading it for the first time, so, sure. You know you get to see see you know different things. You know, and and when we did Vibe Three, like I, I had a very, I had one version of that 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 scene where Vibe and and Kid Flash touch and the Speed Force interacts with Vibe's powers, and we like everything sort of cascades out, and we see all these little bits of Kid Flash's origin. There there was a version of that that was very different. Um, and and the Teen Titans editors hit us back with here's our here's our Kid Flash plan. Can you make this reflect what we're doing now? Because I didn't know. I, I mean that some sometimes you fly a little blind, and that's fine. Um, that's sort of the the nature of working in a shared universe like this. Mm-hmm. And so they they sent us a very long document about um, their plans for Kid Flash and the origin as they saw it uh, in the New Fifty Two. So we uh, so we ref- changed Vibe Three's script to reflect that, um, as well as offer, as well as take all the clues that Scott had laid out in Teen Titans and sort of synthesize them into one page. Mm-hmm. Because he uh, reading those issues in Teen Titans, you're just getting little like like crumbs of information, and I wanted to present a cookie of information. <laughs> And so that's I, I tried to do that, and and hopefully that was successful. And and Kid Flash fans are, are were, were interested, and they, they'll pick up Teen Titans. Um, I I know they're doing a lot of really interesting stuff with Teen Titans uh, coming up. So I, it, it, Kid Flash fans will be very interested. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, and, and in case I haven't said this publicly recently, like Kid Flash is one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember you saying that. I think I've heard you say that before. West Bart Allen doesn't matter, like like Kingdom Come Kid Flash, like none of that matters. If if they're called Kid Flash and they're wearing the yellow costume with the red lightning bolt, I'm totally in. Um, I'm an easy mark for that character, uh, and so it was. I was very happy to to write that character in in um, uh, in Vibe Three and, and explore the New Fifty Two version. I was very happy to write Bart Allen in Kid Flash Lost. Yeah. And, and sort of tell the final Bart Allen story before before the relaunch. Okay, and then you also have Just Leave America seven point four Black Adam. Yeah. So um, I actually just read Justice League right before um, we we started podcasting. So it's yeah, <laughs> that didn't end too well for Black Adam. <laughs> yeah. So I because I, I was just thinking that as as like it's like wow it's like okay they're they're doing that you know right right from the beginning. So like, be- to be continued. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it, it's a, it, it's one of my favorite, like Jeff and I kind of co-plotted and then I wrote the script. Um, and it's one of my favorite things I think I've ever written. Nice. Uh, it's, it's really good. Yeah. The solicit says, where is black Adam and what series of events is triggered when the secret society attacks? How, how do you say it? Kondak? Kondak. Yeah. That's so awesome. That the first, where is black Adam? <laughs> 
<laughs> he's got his own issue, but <laughs> a dust now. Yeah. Uh, that's really funny. I, I I don't write solicits. So I, I I bring this up, especially with with um with Brian, um, and I've done it with, with other people because it's it's like I've not, I don't know who writes these, and I always ask people, and so a lot of times, like you guys, you know, actual comical writers, you're like, I don't know what the solicit says, so you listen to that, and you're like, okay, 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 wait, that really? <laughs> when I when I wrote Supergirl, I would write my own solicits because uh, my editors, um, Will Moss and Matt Adelson, who who were a great editing team, uh, they believed in letting us have first crack at solicits, and then they 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 would tweak them as as they saw fit, which I I really appreciated because uh, sometimes the solicit doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily successfully advertise what's in the finished issue. Mm-hmm. And as a result, sometimes readers will hit me on Twitter and say, hey, you know, it said this would happen, but then this happened. WTF, mate. And I'm like, well, I, I, I had nothing to do with writing that solicit. Um, during Supergirl, I did. And, and I, I felt like we got some good solicits. Solicits are pretty damn hard to write, mm-hmm. especially month to month to month, because you've always got to make them exciting. They always have to have a hook. They always, I mean, like I found it after... Wow, 28 issues of Supergirl, whatever. Like, I found it was very hard to sometimes write write them in such a way to get readers interested. Um, so, uh, where is Black Adam? Doss is Black Adam. Like, it, I, I that's really funny because if you just read Justice League 21, you know exactly where he is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great issue. I think Black Adam. I, I think it's a really. I, I think it makes him a really interesting character. We we we. And we get into Kondok a lot. Um, if you've ever read any of Jeff's JSA stuff that he did with Black Adam, you know Kondok was a major a major part of Black Adam's story in those books, and we're 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 bringing up a lot of those themes. And and um, I don't know. I, I think it's good. I think I think Black Adam fans will really enjoy it. I think Shazam fans will really enjoy it. Um, and there are a lot of Easter eggy kind of things throughout that issue for longtime Shazam fans. Cool. Now you also did a Man of Steel prequel comic. I did. So um, Walmart exclusive prequel comic. Okay. So it, it, it's interesting, and I, I guess you know, we we talk about. It. So it it features a blonde Kryptonian by the name of Kara. Mm-hmm. So. Now, how, how did this work? Because you know it, it's tied to the movie. Did did they say, "Hey, we want you to write the story," or you just said, or they just were like, "Hey, write a prequel," and then you're like, "I'm going to use you know who could possibly potentially be Supergirl." You know, it's how- it, it's Kara Zor-El. It's it's Kara Zor-El. <laughs> Let's just be upfront with this. That character is named Kara Zor-El. I wrote her as my version of Supergirl plus two years. Um. That came about. I, I got a phone call in November from Jeff, and he said, w- "Would you be interested in writing a Man of Steel prequel book?" And I was like, "Are you joking?" Of course. He said, "Okay, it's going to start Supergirl," and I'm like, "Fuck yes!" Oh, can I curse? A- F yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, of course, I want to write that. If it stars Supergirl, all the better. And he goes, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk to you after New Year's," <laughs> and he hangs up. <laughs> so. Like imagine the calendar and like December comes off the calendar and January comes off the calendar and then it's February and then he calls again and he's like, okay, come to my office. Um, 
and let's let's talk about the story. And he had a, a a very rough version that he and Goyer and and I guess Zack Snyder at this point uh, had had kind of worked out. And then Jeff and I sat down uh, and got into more specifics. And then I wrote a very loose outline uh, and then sent that to Jeff. And then we we solidified it and made it a very tight outline. And then that outline had to go to like all of Warner Brothers and like anyone involved with Man of Steel saw like the Nolans saw it, Zack Snyder saw it, um, Goyer saw it, and then all the guys at DC saw it, which was nerve wracking mm. because my name was all over it. Uh, and then once we had approval from all of those offices, I went off and and wrote that book uh, and then sent in the script. Um, and then we had to get approval on the script, which took a long time because, again, you're going through like Warner Brothers and specific offices of producers. Um, and then once all that was approved, we started getting art back. Uh, and that was tough. Jerry Ordway did just a tremendous job. Like, mm-hmm. I think Jerry is one of the – I think Jerry is one of the modern comic masters. I'll just put that out there. Um, and if you disagree with me, you can at reply me on Twitter, Sterling Gates, all one word. But you're wrong. Jerry Ordway is one of the modern masters of comics, period. Uh, we were very fortunate to get him. I was very happy to get him. He drew my first DC story back in 2007. Uh, and I was, I'm very, every time I've had a chance to work with him, it's been for a really cool project, be it my first uh, DC story or the Superboy Prime stories from Blackest Night. Or this, every time I've worked with Jerry, it's been for something I think is incredible, and I'm always super happy to work with him. Um, the, the, for him, the hardest part was getting reference from the movie, because Warner's uh, is obviously a very secure... They, they, they firmly believe in security, especially for a big tentpole movie like this. Mm-hmm. So we signed... In order to get some of the material... I think I signed seven NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. One of them was as thick as my forearm. Uh, and it basically said, if anything comes out from this movie, plot details, descriptions, anything, and we trace it back to you, we will sue you for $25 million plus a percentage of whatever the movie makes. So if the movie makes $500 million, we're going to sue you for you know 10% of however what, however much that is, like $50 million or $5 million or whatever. And so it was nerve-wracking doing some of this stuff. Um, but I, I, I think we got a really nice piece of work out of it. Um, it's a, I, I think it's a great story. I think Jerry drew the living hell out of it. Um, it sets up Man of Steel uh, in a way that I don't think anyone was, was expecting. Like I don't think anyone got that prequel book and thought – you know, it would relate to Man of Steel in the way that it does. Yeah, um, and, and it's it's interesting, and you know, and especially now, you know, hearing how you know it's you know totally one hundred percent you know approval with everything. You know, it kind of makes you wonder. It's like, hmm, you know what what else could come out of this? Sure, I, I mean, I, I, they have a story in mind. I'll tell you that. Well, yeah moving forward to the man of steel stuff. So I, I was very happy to play a, a small role and it was for me, it, it was worth everything to get to write a great Supergirl story in the man of steel universe. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I I'm, I know I've, I've told you before, but man, your, your Supergirl 
you're like like when you were talking about it before like the new krypton stuff, i was i was getting a little sad it's like just just thinking about, about all that stuff it's like those those were were good times she's still out there she is yeah yeah i know and i i have my old issues i i could read those but she's it's still out there it's it's just a you know just even even the vibe like like the the who is superwoman story i i totally was like that was like such a fascinating story because it's like you know it, i i i'm a sucker for a good mystery yeah so so i like that you know another other character i was i was i was um um what was her name uh Kristen wells i think was her her earth name old superwoman yeah um karst karsta war ool Okay. And cuz they like shortly before they they brought her back and I, I yes. they, and White and that girl. girl. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the other mysteries like, you know, who is this this other Kryptonian and you know, she was on Earth and she's living up in like Ukiah, California. Like when they find her she's like gardening. Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. And see, I I thought it was so cool. So it's, it's like it's stuff like that. It like makes me wonder it's like I wanted to do something with that girl in New Krypton, you know, like I, w- I wanted to have her rejoin the Kryptonian military, but we just didn't have space, man. Like, I mean, we could have we could have done so many more stories in New Krypton, honestly, like we, we had plans upon plans for forever. Um, and, and it, it I mean, it's tough. It's tough to keep readers interested and it's. Uh, especially when you're kind of telling this big sprawling mega arc story. Um, it's, it was tough to keep people interested. So, so the decision was made, let's, let's wrap this up in a, as big a splash as possible. Yeah. That's too bad. I mean, it, it, it worked, you know, I, I, I still love it. That, that, that's like my, my go-to when, I mean, cause I, you know, I've been supportive of the new 52 and everything, but that's the one thing where, cause you know, there, there's some things that have happened, some things that, that haven't happened, and, you know, so my, my, I always say that it's like when they, they started Supergirl in the new 52, they, they should have had her come to earth like maybe a year ago. So that way, you know, something like new Krypton could have maybe possibly happened. You know, it, my, my problem is, as a longtime reader is when, when something is clearly says in this continuity now, this has not happened where, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is just not acknowledged Mm-hmm. Like like you know Wally West or Cassandra Kane, we don't know if they actually exist or not. But because it's never been officially stated that they don't exist, I can hold on to the hope that they're still out there somewhere. Sure. So that that that's 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 how I feel about that. But going back to Man of Steel, sure. So, um, what are your thoughts on the, on the movie? Well, I I mean. As I said on Twitter, it's an amazing accomplishment. Like I, I enjoyed it more the second time than the first time. The first time I saw it was I did this this um, I did these comic writing workshops uh, for kids in Oklahoma. Um, the Oklahoma City Library uh, flew me out, and and I I did comic writing workshops for kids. To it was Superman weekend for them, so we we did you know. Um, I did. I went to four different libraries and gave a short presentation on Superman, and then then we talked a lot about comic writing. And then I would walk these kids through creating a superhero, and then walk them through writing an issue uh, of a superhero book, like um, which was really fun. Like there were some really really great kids out there. 
Uh, and then Friday night, the, the library paid for me to go with them to see Superman, uh, man of steel on IMAX. Hmm. Um, we saw it at the IMAX theater that was hit by the tornado, uh, May 20th. So watching that scene, uh, with, uh, with the tornado in the movie in the theater that just got hit by a tornado wow. was really intense, like really intense. Um, and the movie ended and I, 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 I just, I was emotionally drained just because of like both the crowd and, and, and those, those last 30 minutes are super intense and, and, and seeing on IMAX, like we were third row. So I'm just getting pounded with sound, but like seeing it with those people, you know, like it, it was really hard. It was very hard to, it was hard to get back into the movie after, after that event. Hmm. Um, and, and I walked out and, and the library people who were very gracious, very nice, like some really, really great people work in those libraries were like, what'd you think? And I just didn't have, I didn't have it in me to have an opinion at that point because, you know, like uh, there were some serious sobs, frankly, uh, through that, through that, like from that scene on just, Mm -hmm. it was really hard. It was really, really hard. Um, so (laughs) amazing accomplishment. Like I I didn't really know how to process what I just, what I just watched. Um, because, because of the experience I had viewing it, I was happy to be there. I I am happy to support Oklahoma where I'm from uh, and, and the Oklahomans who went through, some really terrible, terrible times. Um, and I was happy to go and, and try to elevate spirits with, with these kids and talk about superhero books and comics and stuff I love and stuff I loved when I was their age. Um, but seeing that the movie in that way made it very tough for me to have a real opinion on it. So I came back from Oklahoma and then saw it again here, uh, not third row. <laughs> but, so that when he, like he punches someone, it doesn't like make my chest bone rattle, uh, and and sat a little further back and and really like it is an incredible accomplishment. I, I enjoyed the movie. Is it the greatest Superman movie ever made? I don't know that that movie exists yet. I think Superman the movie is an excellent movie. I, I think Man of Steel is a fine movie. I don't think it's. I don't think any of them are the best Superman movie ever made. I enjoyed it for what it was, and I I, I was able to separate out my version of Superman and what I think about Superman and how I think Superman should be presented and stories that should be told with him and watch it clean. Now I would already read the script because I wrote the prequel book. I knew almost everything that happened in that movie save for the, you know, ending. Um, cause my script didn't really, the stuff we did in man of steel is all Krypton stuff. So they didn't, they didn't give me the last few pages of the script which is totally, again, a security issue. It's totally within their purview. And mm-hmm. I totally, I, I understood. Um, I, 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 I honestly, like I, and I'm, I'm enough of a man to admit this. I cried the entire Krypton sequence, like that 20 minute opening on Krypton. I was bawling because it is the Krypton I've always wanted to see on a screen. Uh, and Jarrell was so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just pouring tears out of my face, so overwhelmed with happiness and excitement that 
Like that shot of Jarrell walks out and and looks across Krypton and Zod's forces are attacking and there's all this stuff exploding. I physically can't contain the exclamation that builds in my body seeing that shot in 3D on an IMAX screen. It is so galvanizing to me. I, 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 I like they could have just ended with with like the ship taking off and like it crashes and I could walk out of that movie and be like, that was the greatest 20 bucks I've ever, I've ever spent. Like, let's go again. Like I, that stuff was so awesome. Um, I, I love Henry Cavill. I love Amy Adams. I want to write a Lois Lane book so badly. Mm-hmm. And I want to write a Lois Lane book about Amy Adams version of Lois Lane. The, the character stuff with her, I adored the fact that she spoiler alert figures out who Superman is 30 minutes into the movie is awesome. We've never had that happen in that way. It makes her so proactive and it puts her on a level above, in my opinion, every other version of Lois Lane that I'm so in love with it. Um, I love that it's her. And I said this on Twitter. I, I love that it's Lois's search for truth and her willingness to put herself in danger that inspires Superman to become Clark Kent journalist at the end. I think that's a really great move. And again, something we've never seen before in that way. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. I like, I, I think it's a, it's a fine movie. It is not your kid's Superman movie. You know how like people are always like, it's not your dad's Superman movie. Like it is not your kid's Superman movie. It is not, it is not what people typically think Superman movies are going to be, which I like. Now, I just had a huge conversation at my comic store yesterday where of the five of us standing there talking, two people really hated it. Like really, really hated it. Mm-hmm. And I, I understood every single one of their points. I don't necessarily agree with them on, on some of them, but I understand them. It's a different it's a different type of movie and I think a lot of people are having trouble with the fact that we are moving in our superhero movies into serialized storytelling which allows us to ask a question in a movie that we then answer in the next one. I think the ending, the extremely controversial ending does that very intentionally because Again, this isn't your kid's Superman. Like, it, it, it's not. It's not who we think of as Superman because he's not there yet. Fine, Batman Begins. Fine, but I think people are having a lot of trouble with that, and I get it. I totally get it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed it for what it presented. And I, I mean, I, like, I don't know. I, 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 that's that's all I got. Like. <laughs> It, it was an enjoyable experience far more the second time than the first time because emotionally I was not prepared the first time to have that experience in that theater with those people. Um, not that that's like negative. I, I hope no one thinks I'm being negative about that crowd, but it was just so you could feel the oxygen sucked out of the room. Um, and, the, and the woman next to me began sobbing. And, and I totally, I mean, we walked out of that movie, we walked out the front doors of the theater to a 17 mile long stretch of flattened houses. And so 
it, it was it was emotionally charged like the first the first viewing I had. Um, I was I was very thankful to 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 have that experience with those people. Like I I really believe that Oklahomans are very good at coming together in in light of tragedy. It's it's it is one of the strengths we have as a citizenship in our state is that when tragedy strikes, we work very hard to um, uh, pull together. Um, and and it, it, it meant a lot to me to be able to go to Oklahoma and have that experience teaching those kids about comics and then seeing that movie with the people that, that brought me there to do that. Like that meant a lot to me. It was just very, very tough to watch that movie in that theater, having just talked to people about their experiences and their stories. And, you know, I mean, it it was, that was hard. Yeah. Uh, cause like, well, for me watching, cause you know, I, so I watched it with my daughter. Right. And, and, you know, yeah, there was a lot of emotional scenes, you know, just, you know, for, for, the non, you know, for regular people, not that you're not regular, anything. <laughs> but because, like, like, when you're talking about the Krypton scene, like my my daughter, she was, she got, she cried when um with Jorel's, I don't know what you would you call it, his his ride, the creature, Haraka. Yeah. So you know, it got a, got a little little injured. Yeah. And you know, so she got sad by that, and and that, but. I, I guess the way I look at it, and you know, I I, I voiced my opinion. I, I wrote an article about it because I actually I, I waited. You know, I I didn't even go. I didn't do what we talked about before. What you talked about, I didn't go straight to Twitter and say sure. you know what I thought or anything like that. I just I I was really I I just I just wasn't sure how I felt, especially with the end. And again, I I totally can appreciate the decision that had to be made. But I guess the way I look at it is the fact that, you know, there's going to be this new generation and not necessarily kids, but just, you know, a bunch of people where this could have been could be the first, you know, Derek's first experience with Superman. Sure. And, you know, it was, it was actually um, Rob Liefeld talked about, you know, um, a bunch of his, his kids friends were over and he was like, hey, are you guys going to watch a Superman movie? And they're like, huh? Like they're like. Who's that? Because they didn't even know who Superman was because there's no TV show, no animated series or anything like that. Then he's like, Man of Steel. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to see that. Because, you know, none of the trailers or anything, there's like no mention of Superman. Right. So, you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, and it could be younger people, this might be their, their, their first, you know, experience with Superman. And Well, he's not really Superman yet, right? Like, uh, I guess. I mean, yeah, no, but thing that's like that's the reasoning behind calling it man of steel is because it's about he's a man it's about him as clark and i guess as cal but mostly as clark i guess i mean i i'm i'm trying to to come to terms with what happened and that that yeah that could be the trigger that sets a precedence for you know moving forward what he will and and won't do but i don't know because you know then then i you know i i just look at my daughter and and you know where, where you know she knows quite a bit. Like when when I when I told her the the story about some people, like because I asked her, I was like, "Do kids in your class know who who Superman is?" She's like, "Yeah." And I don't know if she's just looking at it because you know she knows you know who he is, and you know she read Superman Family Adventures by you know Art Baltazar and Franco. And I just and, bought that trade yesterday. It's oh, a, I love that book. It is so good. Um, 
So it, it, it's just weird. I, I guess it just it, it bothers me that the fact that that ha- happened because again, I, I can totally appreciate that this may be the trigger for what what comes next. I just motivation. I guess you know the the selfish part of me is like I, I just I, I wish it, it wasn't. It didn't happen. That it didn't have to be there. Does Batman kill? Well, see that that's the other thing. Like in the comics, he's yeah. not not supposed to. And I I totally get movies. You know, it's a yes or no answer. It's a yes or no answer. Does Batman kill? I don't want you. I don't want to hear different versions. I want a yes or no. Does Batman kill? No. Okay. Why now? Now that you've made your hard line, which version of Batman kills or doesn't kill? Well, see, and that that's the thing. The movie version, like anything goes. Why? Uh, why do you think that anything like it, put on your producer hat? Like, why does anything go in movies that that don't doesn't necessarily play in comics? See, and that that's you know that's the other thing that that I I struggle with. Where you know even in in Man of Steel, there there's a couple more like things with language where like you know Lois mentions she's like oh if we're done measuring our dicks, you know, it's like she would never say that in the comics. No, we're not allowed to use that that word in which, the comics. Which which is 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 weird because you know comics. You know, if you look at like Superman or Action Comics or you know Superman Unchained, they're not written for kids, and you know most of they're they're teen plus. You know, most of DC's books are teen plus. But then, and even like like in in Green Lantern, you know, where um, I think there was a couple words, and and you know Ryan, I think he like flipped someone off, which is like. And and then there's there's a whole thing where, where characters in movies can kill and you know like in, in Avengers or whatever you know you you can have that so it, it just it makes me wonder what does this say about society or the, or the, the general moviegoers that may not be familiar with with the characters in the comics it's like why do we have to have like why is it okay for a character to kill in a movie and you know what what does that say about the character that's supposed to be a quote unquote hero. Where, and and I get you know I'm not trying to take away from people in armed service or police officers you know who you know sometimes they need to do that I get that and you know but it's like I, I guess and you know maybe I'm being naive or old fashioned where I'm looking at you know these these heroes are supposed to be you know fun or an escape and then when you have to have that that bit where it's like you know people die and I get that 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 makes adds a little more reality or more of a danger you know, or something that they're fighting for and all that. But it's just like, I don't need my heroes to kill unless it's someone like the Punisher, you know, where that's what they do. Or you got Wolverine, you know? So it's like Superman in a movie, Batman in a movie, you know, Iron Man in a movie. It's like, I don't need them. I don't need to see them killing. Oh man, dude, like Batman 89, he murders people left and right. I know. And he, that was my favorite movie when I was eight years old. And I thought Batman was the greatest hero of all time. And, and I, like, I was totally unfazed by, by the body count of that movie. And it wasn't until I was older and it was in college, I guess, like I wrote a paper about death in, in the Tim Burton movie verse. And, and, you know, he, he, he straps a bomb to a guy and pushes him in the stairs and Batman returns and then smiles about it. And again, as a 10 year old, I'm like, yeah, like that guy's a bad guy. So it's totally cool that he gets totally murdered. The Joker dies. The Penguin dies. Catwoman like tases her mouth as she kisses, like really dark stuff. And I totally went with it. And 
I was I, Batman was still my hero. And, and I think kids are more forgiving of that aspect of it. And adults really, really dig into the whys and wherefores. And that's fine. That's totally fine because that's as you get older, obviously we mature and we, we start examining the things we like and why we like them. But, you know, one of my favorite movies is The Monster Squad, which is I saw when I was eight years old. It is riddled with foul language. It's about a bunch of – I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's about a bunch of kids who fight the universal monsters, Dracula, Wolfman, the mummy, Frankenstein. It is riddled with foul language. They straight up murder a bunch of those monsters just in the face, little kids killing monsters. And I was totally fine with it as a kid. Watching it now, I'm like, holy crap, they really just murder these monsters because there is a switchover where you start becoming disturbed by by death. And, and it, it's a maturity level thing, I think. And and I'm sure someone out there is going to dis- disprove my thoughts on this, and that's fine. But I, I, I think you are very, very forgiving as a child. Like Superman 2, he drops Zod into the endless pit or whatever. I didn't even care. Now I'm like, holy crap, he drops Zod into a bottomless pit. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The decision that we made here, that, that Goyer and, and Snyder and the Nolans made here, I think it's very interesting because it a, gives us something we've never seen before, like the time he has to make that decision, which then B, gives us a great piece of motivation going forward for his vow of I will always save lives. I will never take them. Now we have a great reason for it. It also underscores, I think, his decision to be human instead of being Kryptonian. Because really, Zod, yes, Zod's going crazy, but Zod is his only connection to Krypton. He's lost his ship. He's lost the scout ship. They've, they've sent all those dudes to the Phantom Zone with no way back. Zod is the only connection Clark has to Krypton, period, period. And he makes the decision to sever that tie, and he instantly expresses regret and then instantly embraces Lois because he, he embraced – anytime the question in that movie is asked – Am I alien or human? He embraces a human, whether it's Jonathan Kent or Lois Lane at the end. I think that's fascinating because it's, again, something that I've not seen before. The prominence of Lois and the prominence of Lois's – the prominence that Lois has shaping Clark's life to be more human is something – I find that fascinating. It, it's something I've never – experienced before in a Superman story. And, and maybe there are stories out there. I just haven't read them. Um, so I walked out of that going, wow, like Superman had to make the decision between uh, is he a man or is he an alien? And yes, unfortunately it comes at the cost of Zod's life, but Zod very clearly stated the only way for, for you to fix this is to kill me. Did he have a better decision? Maybe. I, I don't know what I would have written there. I don't know. I, I mean, like they said in, in one draft, he gets sucked in the Phantom Zone. Okay, well, that that's a little anticlimactic, sure. But I don't think it necessarily would play the same. And I definitely don't think it wouldn't have caused as much conversation. Because one of the things I like about this movie is that for the first time in decades, the public – the greater public is discussing Superman in a big way. And that's not something that I expected. You know, I, 
you know, I, I, when Iron Man came out and Iron Man straight up murders all those dudes and like the second he puts on the suit, I thought, okay, we're in a different world now. Okay, I get it. He murders people left and right. Mm-hmm. They they destroy all the Chitari. Are, are those sentient beings? Do they have personalities? Like the Hulk murders most of them, like without compunction. Black Widow's blowing people in half. Like the Avengers do a lot of damage, uh, and no one's really bringing that up. And, and I think Brett Booth said it on Twitter. I think in part because the Avengers is such a light kind of. Not fluffy because that's a bad word, but it's such a lighter tone. It's not so serious that we forgive it a lot. Um, you know, Batman. Batman in the movies sure kills a lot of dudes left and right, and n- no one mentions that in their discussion of Man of Steel. Um, I, I understand we hold Superman in a higher regard, but I also understand the importance of developing him as as a man. First, and I think this is a very interesting first step in that journey. You know, I, I like Iron Man three. I, so I did that thing where like AMC shows Iron Man one, two, then Avengers, then Iron Man three, right? And I think I think Tony has such an interesting arc across those four movies that I can we can see now. You know, five years later, having that having ha- had those movies come out, that I am willing to give Goyer and, and Zack Snyder and, and the Nolans, like I will give them a lot of rope and see what happens, see where they climb to first, because I, I, I'm very interested in what happens next. Now I, I also am a single male that doesn't have children. So that could also color my view. So anyway, let's move on. What What is society coming to? It's like all our heroes kill, but no, I mean, I, I'm not a prude. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll watch a movie with, you know, death or whatever. And you know, that's like, in the, like more people saw Batman 89 than read comics. Let's just be upfront about that. Yeah. So, and, and so what does that say? What is that telling everyone? It's like, Oh yeah. So Batman kills. Okay, cool. And, and the world hasn't crumbled yet. <laughs> My world has <laughs> your world and, and the greater world is, uh, you know, might be two different things, yeah. you know, and that was 30 years ago, almost that was 20. What is it? Uh, 89 doing the math 24 years ago. And, and the world hasn't fallen down because that Batman story was told. Not yet. It could happen like next month. It's trickle effects. You know, it's, it's, it's been building butterfly, the ripple effect. Yeah, the, sure. The, the, the fissures are there and it's about the, the final straw is about to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I, I appreciate the discourse because for the first time, we've got everyone weighing in on Superman in a way that no one has done in a long time. I, I, I separated out my feelings for comic book Superman, a Superman that I've worked on out from Man of Steel Superman, because just as I separated my feelings out for the animated series, just like I, I just work really hard to make sure that I can look at those things as different stories and as different types of stories. Um, just as I like uh, the Apollo and Midnighter are clearly Superman and Batman. Do I get mad because they murder dudes left and right in the authority? No, not at all. It, it, it's the, it, it's, it's just varying your approach as you come into these stories. I have found allows you to not have that instant reaction of anger where you write a long you know blog post 10 minutes after the movie or whatever. Like I, I want to, I want to be able to watch the story for what it is. 
And I thought Man of Steel was incredibly successful for what it was trying to tell. Would I have written a, a, a couple scenes after the big climax where Superman says to the public, my people came here and hurt a lot of people. It will never happen again. All I'm going to do is ensure that I protect you. That is what I'm here for. And, and then had that Ma Kent scene be about the symbol on his chest and that the world sees it as something bad and he says it's a symbol of hope, so it's up to him to make it a symbol of hope now. Would I have written those scenes a little differently? Absolutely. But that's, that's, that's Monday quarterbacking, and that's not my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 if those scenes show up later, excellent. If they don't, okay. It was an incredibly successful movie for what they set out to make, I thought. I loved all the characters. I thought the acting was great. The special effects were off the charts. The soundtrack is, oh my God, amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed it. Like I ordered the Mondo poster <laughs> out of that movie because I was scared it would sell out because I want a rad man of steel Mondo poster. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty rad. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I thought Lois Lane, if we get nothing out of this movie, I hope we get amazing Lois Lane stories from here on out because I think Amy Adams, Lois Lane is effing inspirational and i I want to i want people to do more with lois in the comics Mm -hmm. shows like i i want more lois lane and you know if we get anything i I hope we get more lois that's what i've been waiting for i i I wrote an article i think it was i think it was during flashpoint or before flashpoint or it's like someone needs it needs to happen you know kind of kind of like a you know the Gotham's, you know, the, the GCPD. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have a book from Lois's perspective, the investigative reporter checking out the dark corners of the DC universe or whatever. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a book where, you know, she needs Superman to save her, you know, every day, you know, she can get into trouble, but she's more capable of getting out of trouble on her own. No, I, I mean, look like we, we, in the real world, reporters put themselves in such interesting situations I, I I don't know why that book doesn't exist. Honestly, like there's so like when when Anderson Cooper's reporting and gunfire is happening all around him, like and I'm worried for him. Like I, I want a Lois book kind of like that, where she puts herself in danger in order to get the truth. And I, I don't know if that book exists right now. And you know, maybe I, I could be wrong. Maybe someone's doing that book. And I don't know about it. But I I, I would. I would go to great lengths to write that book. I think it would be really fun. And you'd have to call it like Superman, the daily planet or whatever. Like you'd have to, you'd have to find a way to sell it because the, the way the new 52 works, I'm as I look at it is you've got to launch really strong. And if Superman is what's hot right now, we need to launch it as Superman, something, something. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know, you know, Lois had her own series for a long time. I actually, um, in, in Chicago, I, I bought a, um, some of the Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Yeah. Some of those, those, those are great books. I mean, they're wacky as whatever, but I just bought, uh, issue 81, which is the murder in space (laughs) where Lois is like, she's in space and she's doing a spacewalk and Superman is snapping her oxygen line. And Lois like, Oh my God, Superman's committing the perfect murder. And it, bottom it says in giant letters no witnesses in space and i'm like this is perfect like superman was such a jerk i i, I bought the one where um he killed her on her honeymoon 
or she was dead. And he's like, it's all my fault. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love those books. I own a lot of them. Uh, I don't have a whole set. I, I the early ones are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Lois is one of my favorite characters. And I, 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 again, if we get nothing out of man of steel, I thought Lois Lane in that movie was really interesting. Yeah. I thought what she did for Clark was very interesting. Yeah. All right. I should probably let you get going since cool. you, you talked way more than, than you said you'd be able to. And I totally appreciate it. And the listeners appreciate that. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, it's, it's rare that I get to do one of these or have time to do one. So I'm, I'm happy to do it when I can. We'll definitely have to do it again. I mean, maybe yeah, do after, we kind of, after like, villains month or after after villains and vibe and, uh, man of steel prequel. And yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's, um, I think that's about all comic stuff I got going. So that's, that's a lot. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's been announced and I can actually talk about, um, well, I, I'm sorry you, you you didn't think Man of Steel was was the bee's knees. I, I no, I mean, I mean that's the thing. It's like I, I did enjoy it, and you know, I, I I hope I didn't give the impression when I you know wrote wrote that article. It's 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 kind of like like X Men Three, whatever United We Stand or whatever. Where you know when I saw that, I said this would have been a good movie or it would have been a great movie if it wasn't called X Men. You know, it, to me, it wasn't really an X Men movie. Did some different things, killed out you know characters dying and stuff like that. It, so this, you know, it, I totally get that whenever you have a comic book movie, it's never, ever going to be 100% faithful to the comic. It can't. Um, no. I, I just – it just – part of me it just, is, is just a little bummed that there has to be so much death. And, you know, again, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I watch movies, you know, the, the ultraviolet movies and all that. It's just – I guess it's it's more that holding on to that – you know, whatever idea that, you know, he, we got heroes. And, and again, if that could be where this is all headed to, great. But it's just, it just, just made me a little sad. Kind of, kind of broke my heart a little bit. But were you, were you really sad when Superman beat Doomsday to death in the streets of Metropolis? Uh huh. <laughs> see, it's because yeah. Doomsday, you know, he, he was kind of ugly looking. So, you know, we're prejudiced against, you know, that stuff. Yeah. That's kind of the moment that I I come back to is like, but see, Doomsday didn't really die. Well, neither did, neither did Superman. Yeah, so that's okay. We had no idea if Doomsday was dead or not at the end of that issue. Like he sure it sure seems when you read Superman seventy five, where Superman says, "I have no other choice. Like I gotta do this," and he beats Doomsday to death and then dies because he's tired or whatever. <laughs> It sure as hell seems like Superman made the ultimate sacrifice to save Metropolis by killing a villain, and he died in the process. And as a kid, I thought that's really tragic. As an adult, when people like fr- are freaking out about this Man of Steel thing, I go, well, but uh, why is it okay for a comic Superman to do that sometimes, but, uh, but movie Superman can't at all, period? Yeah. I mean, there was also I th- John Burns, I think it was Superman 22. Sure. Where, with the, the the pocket universe, General Zod, and we and and we had freaking two years of story where Superman feels guilty about that. Yeah, he goes out in space and grows a beard, and you know, and and maybe we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that in the Man of Steel universe where he goes out in space and grows a beard. But I I, I don't know yet. Like it's a it's a shocking event when it happens, but Superman felt he had no other choice here. 
And now we're going to see what happens as a result of that. I mean, Luther has great motivation now, for sure, if they, if they decide to do Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great reason that half the human population doesn't trust Superman, so he has to now earn that trust. That's interesting. That's something different. When we were doing War of the Superman, there was a lot of talk about the Super S. And if, if a crime is committed by the Kryptonians while they're wearing the Superman S, does that change how the world feels about Superman? And is it possible, like, from a Zod point of view in War of the Superman, in our original, in one of the original versions that we thought about, is it possible for Zod to twist the Super S to be as maligned as a swastika? Can Zod, using the Kryptonians, make Superman the most hated thing on Earth? And then Superman has to earn that trust back with his actions. We didn't get to tell that story. (laughs) But that was was one of the things we wanted to do was was deal with that and, and deal with the ramifications of if crimes are committed by people wearing the Super S, what does that mean for that symbol? And that's why I, I was so – maybe that's why I'm so sensitive to that Ma Kent scene at the end of Man of Steel where I really wanted it to – I really wanted her to ask, what about that symbol on your chest? You said it means hope. People don't see that. Can you show that to them? And I thought that would have been a really interesting beat. Um, and maybe it's a beat that will happen later because we're, we are in a serialized storytelling mode now. Like we see Iron Man 3. We want to see Iron Man 4. We want to know what happens next. Everything is to be continued in a superhero movie now. You know, I, I find that, again, fascinating because to be continued is one of my favorite phrases. But it, it can, unlike a comic book, which you know is coming out next month, it can be harder walking out of a movie going, well, uh, it'll be two years, two plus years before the next one. So does Superman kill a bunch of guys between now and then? Like, we don't know. So uh, it's interesting to me, and I, I've now gone on way too long about Man of Steel. I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. I, I think they accomplished something very big, and yeah, it, it's it is not it is not Superman the movie 1978, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I, I think from 1938 to 1978 was 40 years, and Superman the movie Chris Reeve is not the same as comic book Siegel Schuster Superman. Chris Reeves Superman is not the same as almost 40 year later Henry Cavill Superman. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the different versions. There are some people who can't and that's totally fine. That's totally their opinion and I applaud them for having having such strong views of what I think is one of the most amazing characters ever. I, I, I also have strong views but I've worked really hard to to learn to to process things uh, process things in such a way where I, I allow for different iterations you know we, we can accept that all star Superman and Red Sun Superman are different versions of Superman but like movie Superman we really have a lot of trouble with them being separate stories I think judging by what I've seen on, on the internet and people people talking to me on the phone and uh, you know my friends and stuff um, so I think that's really interesting you know like does Smallville Clark Kent kill Doomsday? Well, we don't really know because it kind of happens off, like off screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have no idea if Smallville Clark Kent. You know, there are, there's always a way. 
except for Doomsday. Like, I, I, I don't know. But that's a different version of Clark Kent. Like, so, uh, I don't know. Long story short, I enjoyed the movie. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. Krypton is, uh, was one of the greatest things ever to see on screen like that. Jarrell was awesome. I'm really sad Jarrell's program got wiped in the movie because I want more. I want a whole Jarrell movie. I would watch a whole Jarrell movie uh, of just him hanging out on Krypton doing stuff. That's too bad. To, I, I just, I, I mean, I'm totally with you. I just, I can't see them ever doing that, which is so unfortunate. Eh, you know, I, I don't think the, they'll never do it. And that's again, totally fine. I, I just want it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I loved one of the things I loved about writing that man of steel prequel was so much of it was on Krypton. You know, and we got to see the firefalls and we got to see sunstones and we got to see, like, they really let me do whatever I wanted as long as it didn't conflict with um, what happens in the movie. But there was enough stuff in the movie like that was kind of its own thing. And we were set like the prequel book is set so far back in Krypton's history um, that we were allowed to really do whatever, whatever we wanted, um, which was nice. Yeah. People definitely need to try to find that and read that. It's Walmart exclusive. It was only available through the uh, pre-order for tickets. I have heard rumors that it will be printed at some point. I don't know when or where. I would imagine, you know, yeah, I, I get that, you know, if it's an exclusive thing, you know, they have to keep that exclusive window for yeah. you know, a certain amount of time. But yeah, I like they, I don't know. They don't tell me enough about the business side of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe I, when it comes out, when it gets released on Blu-ray officially, then they'll say, now you can buy this or I think the Walmart website where you originally could get it uh, talks about it's an exclusive thing in the Blu-ray. So maybe it'll be, you know, it'd be cool if it was included in a DVD like case or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like they, they don't keep me up on that stuff, which is again, their, their thing. It's a work for higher world. So, yeah. um, but no, I, I really enjoyed doing that book and, and, I got to uh, I got to go to Zack Snyder's office in the Warner lot, and and they locked me in a room so I could read the script. Uh, <laughs> and they took my phone away, and I couldn't bring pens. And I mean, it was it was fun. It was just a fun. It was a fun job, and I really enjoyed doing it. I'm I'm glad I got to write Supergirl again. Yeah, that was great. So, all right, San Diego. I'm there. All right, I will see you there. Doing San Diego and uh, New York Comic Con and. Uh, a show in Tulsa called Tokyo in Tulsa. And it's like a, like an anime manga comics show in my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and I think that, I think right now it's, th- those are all my cons I've got scheduled. Um, you can always check sterlinggates.com for blah, 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 blah. <laughs> all right, Sterling. So people go, you know, if you're, if you're not reading vibe, definitely check it out. Don't let the, like what you mentioned, the, the preconception of the character, Cause he's, he's, he's a cool character and it just blows me away. Like the whole reason he's on the justice league, like what he represents. And I don't think people realize that. I, I, I sure. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's amazingly powerful. He is very untrained. Um, and, uh, once he starts figuring out how to use his powers, he becomes very dangerous very quickly. Um, so I, I hope people give the book a, 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 a look. It is a very 
like I said earlier, I've been trying to write that book with a lot of heart. And we have an amazing cast, I think. We have a cast unlike almost any book on, on stands, I think. Um, and and I, I, it's, it's worth, I think it's worth the three bucks. I, I hope you, the reader, think it's worth the three bucks. You know, if not, look me up at a show and I'll high five you or something. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I want to thank everyone for the support of that book. I mean, it's, I, I know it's, I know that character has been known for being not the best DC character. Like a wizard magazine made him, they used to do this thing called Mort of the month. Mm-hmm. where they, they would pick the worst dopiest characters in comics. And I think they made vibe Mort of the month three months in a row. <laughs> Uh, back in the nineties, I know he's not very well known. I know he's not very well liked. We've reintroduced him, I think, in a very exciting new way in the new Fifty Two. I hope you guys give it a shot. I mean, it, it, it's a book that that means a lot to me, and I, I think for people that read my Supergirl work, I, I think they'll they'll see a lot of the same sort of thematic elements playing out. Um, so there you go. All right. So well, we'll just say this: this podcast will be continued. To be continued. I have a written over my office door to be continued. <laughs> it really is my favorite phrase, one of my favorite phrases in the English language. You should get it like tattooed and somewhere. I was so happy uh, that you know that Grant Morrison's Superman Beyond 3D thing. I don't know if during Final Crisis. I don't know if you read that book. Yeah. Uh, but like Superman, the, the villain asked, "What do you want written on your tombstone?" And and when and Superman had like, we didn't see his answer. And then when we finally see Superman's tombstone, it just has to be continued dot, dot, dot. And I thought that's, that's perfect. (laughs) What an awesome, awesome thing. All right. Thanks again, Sterling. Dude, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Comic Viners for listening. I'm I'm sorry. I went on for freaking ever. That's right. That's why we're here. Once you wind me up, I I can keep going. So, (laughs) All right, so we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh, this is a point where I normally take questions off the Ask G-Man uh, video thread on the general forums and um, Twitter, the Ask G-Man hashtag. But you know what? Since this is already like pushing two hours, I'm going to say this is to be continued for sure, and we'll, we'll do more of this next week where we have another guest and pretty sure I know who it is, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, actually I, I will tease if, if all goes according to plans right now, it's going to be the return of someone. So I'm, 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 I'm always happy to talk to this person and it's not Brian Bucciolato. So don't worry about that or don't get excited or don't get sad. All right. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Sterling Gates. Again, you know, definitely check out vibe and you know, it, it's, I, I I'm really digging where where that's going, and I'm I'm actually impressed that they're veering so far off from Justice League of America, and you know I I, I think it's a little gutsy, and I, I hope it pays off. I really want to see where they're going to go with this. So that is the show. Make sure you listen to the regular Comic Vine podcast as well, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye bye. So, so, my question, my is, question is, is, could it be? We don't know. We don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the question. I want to shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame 
I give this a two. 